preparing for this message, um, I think it was one of the toughest things for me this week because you have to go back into the goodness of God and you are shocked at, wow, God is so good. God is really good. And I just want to say thank you, Sarah. You've prepared us this morning. I don't know if you, you actually took part in worship today or you were a spectator, but I know that God started right from the beginning of church. Growing up, we used to have Sunday best clothes. Who remembers that? <laughs> and where I come from, we used to wear uniforms to church so that everyone just looks the same. It's easier. So you start preparing around Thursday, making sure you've got your shoes ready, your uniform ready. On Saturday, you go to the salon, you prepare. And I want to encourage you, make it a habit to prepare for Sunday. Make it a habit to prepare for Sunday. Sunday is not just about coming to hear the word, but there's something that God does when a group of believers come together. And I believe today God wants to do the supernatural. I believe he wants to do the supernatural. I asked God, it was actually incredible listening to Jen um, and her husband because I used to be a Compass Crusader. And when I came to Australia, I started door knocking because I thought, okay, that's how we evangelize in Australia. And I was shocked. That's not how they do it. <laughs> but I'm grateful that you have taken on uh, and you're going into universities to encourage people. And I want to talk to the young people, particularly through this message as well. Do not be limited by what you see. Your parents have worked so hard for you to have what you have. But let me tell you this. God has provided. God has provided. So don't, don't close your eyes to the supernatural because God is still at work. Amen. So I actually want to take you through memory lane of my life. Because I believe my life is so full of miracles. Um, <laughs> yes, Pastor Bethlehem. Um, and one of the reasons, as I was preparing this, God just reminded me that, yes, this is why I sent you to Perth. And so I really believe in my heart that I have to share this. So bear with me. I don't intend to insult anyone. I don't intend to hurt anyone. But I intend to stir you up to believe. If God could do it for me, he will do it for you today. Today. So prepare yourself, prepare your heart, and be ready. Be ready. Is that okay, Real Life Church? Be ready. So 1999, uh, my twin sister and I found ourselves in a very awkward situation. Uh, we had just completed Form 4, which is the equivalent of Year 10. Um, backstory, my parents were divorced, so we were in the custody of my dad and not my mom. Uh, and my dad used to travel a lot because he was a, an executive in government, and so he would be assigned to a different country for like six months. So we were in boarding school. But now boarding school is finished, and we are back home. And so we were left the two of us um, for some reason. Um, Stepmom and dad were not there. And we were left just the two of us. And in this instance, we are supposed to be looking for a place for year 11 and 12. And so it was standard that when you finish year 10, you already knew where you were going because you selected the schools before you finished year 10. We applied um, and you picked three schools. None of those schools picked us. We had passed very well, but not even one school 
took us. Now, my parents were very connected, so everyone started calling around, asking schools everywhere. Not even a single school took us. Not one. Now, my dad had to go. He had to go. He was assigned to Mauritius uh, for, for three months. So he had to go. And so we were stuck, the two of us thinking, okay, this is the end of it. And you know when you're in Africa, education is your way out. And so if I don't get an education, this is it. I have to go to the village. Uh, and I couldn't even fathom what that would look like. So we said, um, to the two of us, we decided to fast and pray. So every single day, for three weeks, we fasted, we prayed. We showed up at this high school. Seven o'clock in the morning, they would open. We would sit outside the office and wait for the principal. He did not regard us. He did not even talk to us. Until they finished school, end of day, five o'clock, they locked up. For three weeks, we showed up. At the end of the three weeks, he says, okay, fine. I've seen you girls here. You're disturbing me. And uh, what do you want? I said, we need a place. And by now, everyone has already started school, so it's three weeks into the term. And so he says, what do you want? We said, okay, we need a place. We need to start high school. Let's see your grades. You passed. What's happening? I said, I don't know. We just want to learn. And so he's like, well, I could give you a place, but who's going to sign for it? You don't have your parents here. Who's going to sign for it? I kid you not, we turn, and right there, my dad showed up. Now, <laughs> it was not a wow for us. We were mad. <laughs> but in that very instance, he managed to sign us up. And he says to us, I'm actually here just to say goodbye. I'm going. I have to go back to Mauritius, and this time for six months. I don't even have time to even buy anything for you. So, yeah, bye. I was like, okay, bye. For us, it was not uh, foreign. That's how we had been raised. So we were now used to this abandonment anyway. He disappears. He goes. We went to buy uniforms, my sister and I. We only could afford one skirt, one shirt, one pair of shoes each. And it was the wrong one because it was the end of summer. So all they had in stock was winter uniforms. We bought those uniforms. We showed up to school. There's nothing worse than being a new student in the wrong uniform. <laughs> but you know what? God is faithful. Amen. Yeah. We watched, I was in the same high school with Taps. We watched them change the uniform to what we were wearing in that very semester, in that very term. They changed the school uniform to be exactly what we had. So now they had to buy new uniforms and we were okay. <laughs> We were taken care of. Now, the challenge, though, was because my parents were a bit affluent. They were staying in the suburbs. And um, this were designed to be a suburbs where you drive people around. So there's no public transport that comes there. And there's the two of us. We have to get to school. So every morning, we would have to walk around three to four kilometers to school and walk back. And so we sold everything that we had that we could think of. So we sold all our clothes, we sold all the pots and pans, everything. We started gardening just to get food on the table for the two of us. It was a life that I wish, I would never wish on anyone at all. And in that moment, we just thought, you know what? 
We were not allowed to see mom, so we were like, okay, mom is like another seven, eight kilometers away. What would happen? He's out of the country. Let's just go. So it meant we would have to go three kilometers to school, after school, walk seven kilometers to my mom, eat, and then walk 10 kilometers back every day. One day we showed up at school, and the principal was at the gate. And he said, where are you coming from? You're supposed to be in boarding school. We thought, what? We didn't even apply. We can't even afford. We don't even know where the parents are. He says, I want you in boarding school right away. We jumped. We were screaming. No one could believe because now all the abandonment was gone. We were safe. We were secure. We didn't even have to think about what to take because we had sold everything. So we just rocked up. We rocked up to boarding school and they took care of everything until dad came and had to settle his bills. But God... (laughs) But God took care of us. He showed up for us. It was in that very high school that we started to see the miraculous happen. Both my sister and I, from birth, had all sorts of illnesses and stuff. It was in that high school that we became uh, members of Scripture Union, and we were praying. We had were just six friends, six of us, and we would pray every single day in the classrooms. We watched my sister get delivered. We watched myself get delivered. I had had ulcers for God knows how long from back, yeah, six years or so, chronic, so bad, I got healed from all of that. I'd been diagnosed of rheumatic fever when I was young. I think when I was like eight years old, I'd been diagnosed of rheumatic fever and would just wake up and I'll be stiff, can't walk, can't do anything as a young child. I watched God deliver me in a classroom from students praying. Not a pastor, students praying. So when I tell you this morning that God will do the supernatural, I'm not talking of something I've read. I'm telling you of something I've witnessed. And I want God to do exactly that for you. You will not settle for less. Your time is not yet up. God has an assignment for you. And until that assignment is done, we will not settle for less. Real life church. And we know why does God do miracles? I'll take you through a journey in Lazarus chapter 11. And we want to pick it up from around verse 39. But what we know in the story of Lazarus is that Lazarus dies. He's put in a tomb. Four days later, they send actually, they send word to to Jesus and they say, he's unwell. He's dying. And Jesus responds right there in verse 4. And he says, and I want you to mark this. I want you to mark this. In verse 4, he says, when he heard this, Jesus said, this sickness will not end in death. No, it is for God's glory so that God's son may be glorified. Whatever your situation will not end in death. But no, not today. Not today, real life church. It will turn around for the glory of God. Amen. That right there is what we want to establish this morning. So it takes us to number one. Every miracle has a purpose. Every miracle has a purpose, and the purpose is clear. 
for God's name to be glorified. That's the purpose. Whatever you're asking God for is not for you. It is for God's name to be glorified. So shift your eyes from your pain. Shift your eyes from your circumstance. And look out and say, God, I will testify of your goodness. Remember this. You know, when people are in hospital, we get visitors. We have all the doctors. We have all these people, right, coming in to see. They are witnesses who need to see you rise up out of that bed and testify that only God did this. It is not medicine. It is God. Amen? Good. <laughs> God is not going to, does not need to flex his muscle. He doesn't need to. He speaks and his word never returns to him void. It's a done deal. And how do we know that the miracle has purpose? We read in verse 45, around 45, when he jumped to around verse 45, it says, therefore many of the Jews who had come to visit Mary had seen what Jesus did, believed in him, but some of them went to the Pharisees and told them what Jesus had done. People can see you. They are talking. Right? Then the chief priests and the Pharisees called a meeting of the Sanhedrin. What are we accomplishing? They asked. Here is this man performing signs. If we let him go on like this, everyone will believe in him. And then the Romans will come and take away both our temple and our nation. Your life is not yours alone. Your life is for the kingdom of God to expand. That is God's intention. If you have never thought of yourself as worthy, right now you know you are worth it to God. You are not just a number. You are a person whose life also is carrying others. You are a person in the family whose life is carrying others. Through you, God's name will be glorified. Amen. Amen. The enemy will use whatever tactic possible. To make sure the people around you will curse God. The enemy will use every tactic possible to make sure that when you fail, they will say, "Uh, look, she believes, where is that God? He will use every tactic. So why give him the space? Why give him the time? Why give him the time? Through you, let them be confident in knowing that God is at work. And he will finish, he will accomplish that which he has started. Amen. So let every situation in its uniqueness serve purpose to God. Amen. Number two, faith requires action. We are so used to knowing that um, we have to see to believe. Yeah? Even seeing requires action. You don't close your eyes and see. You open. Yeah, But we know that that is only natural. Seeing and to believe is natural. Supernatural is believe, then you see. That's what is required. So faith requires action. We read in verse 38, Jesus once more deeply moved, came to the tomb. It was a cave with a stone laid um, across the entrance. And then... He speaks, uh, to, 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 he speaks to the crowd that is following them. And he, asks, and, and he says, take away the stone, right? They are required to partake in this. They are required to do something. 
Each time God has, um, Jesus has performed a miracle, he asked, you know, who's got fish? Who's got bread? There was somebody who needed to respond. There's an action that is required of you. Amen? It It requires believers to partake of that action. I always say church is not for spectators. It's for participators. When you come to church on a Sunday, you're not coming for Pastor David. You're not coming for the worship team. You're not coming just for coffee and fellowship. You're coming to give of yourself. To contribute to that one person God is going to assign to you to sit next to you. For that hug that they need. For you to see the needs of the people around you. To encourage the people around you. So you have to prepare to partake of the table. Amen. Amen. Just as the uh, the woman with the issue of blood reached out in faith to touch the hem of Jesus' garment and was healed. We too must reach out in faith. Believing that our touch of faith can bring the miraculous into our lives. The Lord requires your action this morning. And we're going to create time at the end of service for you to step out in faith. And we're going to do things a little bit differently today. Because faith requires action. So your action is not just for you to come and stand and weep. Your action is for you to roll that stone. I don't know how that is going to happen based on your situation. But you have to partake. You have to do something. Amen. Number three, faith trumps logic. How many of us have been disappointed by God? Yeah, I have been disappointed so many times. I wish I could tell you I knew the answer to that. I also have questions. But I want you in this very moment to understand faith trumps logic. Here in verse... um, in this scripture, we, we, we see Mary and Martha arguing their way out, right? Jesus says to them, roll this stone. And immediately she's talking about, you know, this guy has been dead for four days. Like, really? And what she's saying is factual. It's true. He stinks. It's true. How many times do we get that x-ray, you know, and it tells us you actually have, it's true, you do have the mass, you know. It's true, your, your, your arm is broken. It's true. We get all of that. I remember when I was in year three, I broke my arm, and all they said is, let's amputate it. Because it was so badly broken, shredded. And looking at those x-rays, it made sense. My mom says, Well, I can't make that decision. Just wait until dad comes. The longer we waited, the more they had to fix it. Faith trumps logic. Whatever the logic you've been, you know, is going through your mind, let your mind be subdued to the word of God this morning. Don't reason it out. The supernatural cannot be reasoned out. I can't even understand how this principal, you know when our principal used to stand by the gate, it shared, he had one thing in his hand, a whip. 
to say you're late. And all he did was to weep. So for him to say, I'm giving you a space in boarding school was like, uh, are you talking to us? Faith trumps logic. This morning, don't, don't reason it out. Don't think too much. Don't try and justify your pain. Don't try and justify your circumstance. Don't even ask God why. He's not going to answer you why in this moment. But what we want is a move. That's what we want. We want a move. We don't want, we're not looking for answers. If you're looking for answers, wrong place. Wrong place. Very rarely have I seen an answer when I ask why. But what I know is the purpose. That never changes, and that is to give God glory. So that's what we are going to hold on to. That our lives count to you, God, to give you glory. Our lives matter to give you glory. Our situations will one day testify to the goodness of God. Amen. Faith has to trump logic. And this is what I love about Jesus. He says, he actually responds, responds to Martha and says, <laughs> in verse 25, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live, even though they die. And whoever lives uh, by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? He asks her again, do you believe this? Oh, she responds, oh, yeah. I actually do. I, I do believe But she still continues to justify herself. She is entitled to this justification. We live in a world where there's so much knowledge that it has clouded our understanding of God. Everything has a reason. In Africa, we like to say that because we're so poor, there's no insurance but God. We, we know that if you get sick, there's no insurance. There's no health insurance. But God, you just show up and you pray. Because that's the only health insurance we have. This morning, there is no insurance but God. Amen. Amen. Let us be confident in knowing that the same mighty power, Ephesians 1.20 that raised Christ from the dead and seated in the place of honor at God's right hand in the heavenly realms. Now he is far above any ruler or authority or power or leader or anything else, not only in this world, but also in the world to come. And it is that same power that raised Jesus from the dead that lives in you and I. Do not ever be convinced otherwise. Look, we are human. We live in a natural world. I understand that. And sometimes the pain is just unbearable. We go through some of the weirdest situations. But don't look at how impractical your situation is. Don't don't even think about it in this very moment. When you show up before the Lord, don't reason it out. No matter how ridiculous what you're asking for in that situation, God can do it if it is his will. 
what stops us from receiving our miracles is the doubt. And sometimes the fear and the feeling of unworthiness. See, what the enemy is so good at doing is reminding you of your sins. And this is why it is very important when you come up to church to be prepared and ask for forgiveness. Don't ever neglect that. Don't ever neglect confessing. Because the enemy in your moment of weakness when you need a miracle will remind you how unworthy you are. So that you will doubt and you start to say, well, I miss church five times. How will God hear me? Just confess then. And say, well, maybe God, I've, I've backslidden. Maybe I need to rededicate my life, God. Let's start there. Because he offers us a new chance. He offers us grace. So why not tap into that grace and start there? Rather than to wallow in your, you know, old life. Behold, the old is gone, the new has come. And there is no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. Jesus is your bestie. Jesus is your best friend. Amen. And Jesus says to Martha, Did I not tell you that if you believe, you will see the glory of God? Real life church, this morning God is asking you the very same thing. Did I not tell you? Did I not tell you that I'm the healer? Did I not tell you that I'm the deliverer? Did I not tell you that I am your provider? Did I not tell you, is what Jesus is asking this morning. If you believe, you will see the glory of God. I am asking you the very same question. What did God tell you about it, about your life? He's already told you something. And all you got to do now is believe. Believe. Number four. We see in this very moment a group of witnesses coming together to roll the stone. I don't think Martha and Mary would have rolled that stone. It was a very big stone. But there were people around them that rolled the stone. This week is Connect Group Week. Be a part of a small group. Be a part of a small group. Whenever a situation happens in your life, who do you ring? Who do you tell? We've become Christians. Let me rephrase. We've become unbelieving believers. Who, when a situation happens to us, we ring everyone possible. Did you hear? Did you hear? Did you hear? Rather than calling on the relevant people. And that's why small groups are important. So that in the moment when the stone needs to be moved, they are there to move the stone. You cannot do it on your own. And sometimes it's not your stone that needs to be moved. Maybe you need to be there to move someone else's stone. So which group do you belong to? Which group do you belong to? And these are the very people who will be celebrating with you. I have a habit. 
if you notice during praise and worship, I, I, I throw my eyes at certain people and we connect because I know their story. And so when I'm praising and I'm worshiping here, I'm doing it for them because I need them to get to where God needs them to get to. I believe that God wants them to get there. So I do worship with them. And so when we get the breakthrough, I don't forget to praise God for it as well. Lest they forget. So this is why Sunday is important to us as a group of believers to move that stone. When we take that uh, faith step, we move that stone together. Amen. Let's make sure we belong. Let's make sure we belong. And we belong to healthy people around us who can lift up a prayer for us as well. There is no need to have a thousand followers on Instagram who you can't call. Listen to me, young people. You can have as many followers as you want. We are called to make disciples, not followers. When you're in trouble, your Instagram friends will be the first ones to say, I told you so. They'll be the very people who will be laughing and scorning at you. They say you're the average of the five people around you. I always make sure I have my five. Who are the five people around you? Who when trouble knocks, you pick up the phone and they know. I have my five people who they don't need to call me. God will show me before. And so when they pick up the phone and they call me, I already know. And I say, don't even say, let's pray. That's how close we have become. Who are your people? Who are your people? We're not meant to do life alone. We're not meant to do life alone. Amen. Otherwise, your situation becomes more overwhelming. Yeah. Lastly, number five. Speak the command. We've become Christians who love. I, I cry a lot. In case you haven't noticed, I cry a lot. But I also talk a lot. <laughs> and I've noticed that when I'm going through a difficult time, the natural response is to cry. Yeah? That's the natural response. I cry. But I have to pinch myself and remind myself I have to speak the command to this situation. I have to stop the crying and pinch myself and speak the command. And the command is the word of God that you have to speak to. If God has called you to, uh, to healing and healing has to be restored right there, speak to your body. Speak to your body to subdue to the word of God. Speak to your wallet and let it be filled with money. <laughs> it's as simple as that. Speak the word to your situation. What tends to happen is with faith, we take the step and then we wait. We, and so God is like, okay, what next? What's next? Remember how the Trinity works, right? Jesus is supposed to bring your case before God, as your advocate. But you have to bring your case to Jesus for him to present it to God. So if you, you are quiet about it, 
He knows. But remember, it's about believing. So believing can only be demonstrated by action. And the action is for you to speak in faith, to command it to being. So if we cry, yes, he knows the situation and we leave it at that. That's not good enough. We now need to then act on it by speaking the word of God to this situation. This is why Jesus himself then says, Lazarus, come out to the small girl. Talitakum, he says. Girl, arise. He has to speak, and that word never returns void. So what is he speaking if you're not going to ask? So we do the seeking, and we find. We find the place of comfort. We find the altar. We knock at the door. He opens. Then he says, I'm waiting for you to ask so that you receive. If you knocked at my door and I opened the door for you, how am I going to know that you want bread if you don't say? How am I going to know? That's the same. Just as natural as it is, it's the same spiritually. We have to ask. It doesn't make us petty. It just means we are exercising that which God has already told us to do. And watch, remember in verse 4 we said that when they told Jesus about the sickness, um, he says, this sickness will not end in death. No, it is for, the, uh, for God's glory. Now watch what happens now in verse 41. In verse 41, so they took away the stone. Then Jesus looked up and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. Heard him where? When he was told of the situation, he said something. So now he's not coming to beg. He's saying, we've already talked about this, God. We've already talked and you heard me. Yeah? I knew that you always hear me. But I said this for the benefit of the people standing here, that they may believe that you sent me. And when he said this, he then commanded Lazarus to come out and to take off the grave clothes and let him go. This morning, we are opening up as the musicians come. I want you to step out. Step out, be ready to say, God, I thank you for the word that you've already given me. It is a done deal. It is a done deal. And when you step out, That's your first step of showing your faith. The second bit is, for those uh, the the life group leaders, connect group leaders, come on, come on, come on, come on, come on, come on. We want to pray. And I want you to ask the person, before you pray for them, ask them this question. Do you believe? Don't just pray for people. Ask them, do you believe? And your response is, yes, I believe. Then they will pray. Otherwise, it's no good. For someone to pray for you when you do not believe. What's the point? So you can come out and pray as we worship. Come out and we will pray together. Because God wants the supernatural to happen. When heaven meets earth. When your faith connects with him. Come, let us speak out your situation. And let's watch the miracle, miraculous happen. Let us see our faith arise this morning. Church, let's stand up.